Blog Talk Radio. Okay, 
So now, to get into the eight reasons companies need an outsourced sales manager, can we start with like the foundation? What is the foundational thing that they need first? Yeah. So here's the here's the simple answer. It's painful and expensive not to have an expert managing your sales team. Sure. If you have, um, if you're, if the sales owner's trying to do it in between, you know, juggling 15 million other things, or you've hired your family, you know, the best family, you know, best family and friend because small business owners turn into the recruiting agency for your, your friends and family, wherever, you know, whoever needs a job, you'll find That's a spot true. for them. And typically putting them in a sales management role when they have no prior experience does really not equate to an expert service. So if you don't have an expert you will start to experience, you know, either soft costs, lots of pain, and the eight reasons for hiring a outsourced or a fractional sales manager is what we'll get into in a minute. One of the things I wanted to share, though, is I oftentimes have conversations, this conversation with people, and their their eyes glaze over, like, what's fractional mean? And I just assume that everybody understands what this evolving term really is, as we've been moving into the gig economy, I'll put a plug in for one of your other podcasts oh, that yes. I listened to recently, but fractional services or outsourced services really hasn't, has been evolving over the last 10 years. Outsourced probably first, but then it got a dirty kind of connotation to it as we were offshoring. So we're not talking about mm. offshoring, we're talking about outsourcing or fractionalizing expert services to support in my case, small business owners that are really suffering from a diseconomy of scale. It's really hard for a small business owner to afford a six-figure sales manager when they only have a couple of salespeople to manage. What they need is somebody to come in and help them integrate a marketing and sales system and take whatever amount of salespeople they have and make that successful. That's true. And and that's like we started out. That's it's invaluable to be able to have someone, especially with fresh eyes, to come in from the outside and be able to actually see what's going on because you're viewing it in a totally different light. And to have someone to come in from the outside and say, Okay, wait, you know, this this is the problem. This is what's stopping, you know, your growth. Yeah. So true. Even if somebody has a dedicated or an, an, uh, an appointed, I'll call it, mm-hmm. sales manager or leader, mm-hmm. there's so much drama inside any organization mm-hmm. that there's, you know, the protectionist that mm-hmm. t- t- tends to happen, justifying the whatever type of results that they're getting. Mm-hmm. So you're right. The fresh eyes without any baggage Correct. or um, ulterior, alter, alternative motives yep. other than success. Mm-hmm. Is is a nice is a nice nice thing to have. It is. It really is. And someone that can have or, or provide what I call constructive feedback. Exactly. Right. You Expert know, constructive feedback. Expert constructive feedback. Um, that someone else, the existing sales manager or acting sales manager for whatever reason, may not feel comfortable doing. Right. Yeah. Because. All managers don't have that skill set to provide that constructive criticism. Right. Or one of the other things we see quite frequently is if you don't have that outside influence, 
Yeah. Sometimes you don't know what's new. Correct. So what, how, you know, what's the latest, greatest, best practice that Correct. you could bring in? And that happens quite frequently. It I mean, does. the buyer journey has changed so much over the last several years. And unfortunately for small business owners, it's been hard to pivot. It's like, holy moly, it's SEO, SEM, well, another acronym. And I'm still trying to figure out how not to lose the people that I have because I seem to have a revolving door of not being able to attract the best and the brightest and retain those people. It is. Yeah. And that's important. It's important to, and it's funny, you make me think of, it's important not to just attract the best and the brightest when it comes to a personnel, but also being able to retain your your current customer base as well as grow into your, you know, be able to, to downsell sell them more, upsell them or something, and as well as take on new customers. Right. Yeah, so client acquisition and retention is critically yeah. important, and that often is an afterthought in terms of the strategic initiative, the business initiative. Mm-hmm. How do we bring them in? How do we, make, how do we take care of them? How, what does that client experience yeah. look like yeah. for extra retention, which ultimately adds to the life time value of your client, which affects your client acquisition costs, which a lot of small business owners don't have a clue about client acquisition costs and how that plays into lifetime value of your um, of your clients. And that's, and now are those things that if you came into a business that you would go over with that sales team, would you take them through client acquisition and take them over client retention so that those are things that they, they don't just put in the back burner. Once they sign on the dotted line, you just don't, okay, we got them, just forget about them, we don't have to service them anymore. No, you do. Yeah, for sure. So so that brings, that's a really good, important point. Sometimes we have to take care of other things first mm-hmm. before we get to that level. Those conversations definitely need to be had with the business owner this initially mm-hmm. to help understand what our goals should be mm-hmm. um, and what our metrics should be around those goals. Oftentimes, I'll walk into a small business environment that hasn't been managed or poorly managed, and we don't have regular sales meetings, we don't have goals, we don't mm-hmm. have accountability, and we have everybody that has, has, that's kind of accumulated over the last, let's say, five or seven years doing their own thing. So we have no proven and repeatable process. We have people that are goals a certain way, and they're going to respond based on that compensation Correct. plan accordingly. Correct. So to your point, we don't oftentimes have a cohesive end-to-end strategy in place just because of how it's, it's uh, nat- organically grown. So, yeah, having a, an outsourced or a fractional sales manager to come in, fresh set of eyes, put the goals in place, in conjunction with the business owner so that it does fit into the overall strategic business plan for growth. Awesome. Awesome. And that's so well needed. Now, so if we're going to take a look at the eight reasons, what is reason number one? So reason number one is owners hate managing their sales teams. Yes. I'll (laughs) speak for all of the small business owners. Yes, we do. (laughs) And, you know, that's, that's common for a couple of different reasons. And if you, if you think about it, most small businesses are started from an owner that typically has a demeanor coming from an engineering background where they designed a service or a product, mm-hmm. and that behavioral DNA characteristic is opposite to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So they, out of the box, do 
do not necessarily align, and most sales owners that are on that side of the scale really don't even really just don't like the energy of the sales, don't understand how it should be done. And on the other hand, you have organizations that have started from the rock star salesperson who also has very low tolerance for non-rock star salespeople. So they're always on a journey to find their mini-me, mm-hmm. and it's impossible to find that person. So nobody can ever do it as well as they do. They don't take the time to document and create a repeatable process. Mm-hmm. They bring people on, they get frustrated, and then they don't want to manage them because they're just, you know, over the top. Like They're never going to be able to hire the right, the A players that they were. So mm-hmm. owners hate managing salespeople. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) That is very true. All right, so now reason number two is what? So reason number two typically happens when you have, you know, three, four, five maybe sales reps and still nobody's been managing them. So it's clear we got to have some, we have to have some accountability. We got to move to the next level. So you take your rock star salesperson out of that pool of sellers because you're going to have him or her be replicated or replicate themselves to the rest of the team. Big, 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 big mistake. Don't ever do that. If it isn't obvious already, as soon as you stop that rock star salesperson from providing your largest revenue stream, no, no, they're going to stop. And you haven't given them the tools to actually manage, lead, coach the rest of the team. There's most likely going to be animosity, so you're going to have some drama already built into that. So it's never, it's highly recommended, don't rip and replace your current bestseller. You might want to put a, an HR path in place if, that, if they have a skill set or a personality type mm-hmm. to be able to transition to management at some point to give them the right skills to be able to evolve into that. But just plucking them out and saying, here's your new job. We're going to give you 90 days to create many U's. And we're looking forward to you not taking your foot off the gas because we still need that revenue stream. That creates a lot of psychosis and just, you know, it's not, it's never pretty. Wow. Now, do you assist business owners or managers or their HR folks in reference of coming up with compensation plans? And you, that's usually a very big issue with salespeople because obviously to be a successful salesperson, you have to be motivated by sales. Right. Yep. Motivated by sales and money. So Exactly. Yes. That is one thing. If, if we, we're always involved with the annual reviews, making sure that the goals are tied to the, the annual review correctly, and do we have the right plan in place, with, I mean the right compensation plan in place. Sometimes those are delicate conversations to have with the business owners to help open up their eyes to what the market space but because it's, that is very competitive out there right now, mm-hmm. and it is challenging to put the right uh, program in place. Mm-hmm. But let me also say that it's not always all about the compensation. The, w- with multi-generational um, uh, employee bases, we have people that are motivated for different reasons. It's it true. could be flex time. It could be another flexibility aspect to their business. Compensation tends to be very high for salespeople, but it's not always the highest. And it depends it depends also how you have your structure. If your if your structure is such where you have lead gen and lead nurture coming from your technology 
portal or your tools, mm -hmm. like a website, mm -hmm. then you typically would have just your closers or account managers for client retention. Mm -hmm. Those are two different types of compensation models and can be stitched together uh, based on your corporate culture uh, so that you have the right people in the right seats for the right reasons. Okay. Now, I know one of the questions that comes up a lot when it comes to salespeople, um, and especially small businesses, because for a lot of them, it's not their area of expertise, okay? And so when it comes to compensation, they don't really know how to put that package together. If I, you know, will I attract a really good salesperson if I just put them on 100% commission? Or should it be commission and salary? Or should it be this or that? Does it really uh, depend on the type of industry that they're in or whatever, I guess, for, for whatever time frame they're going to give this person to perform? How does that come into place? It yes, the type of industry is critically important to understand so you can maintain a competitive position. Okay. So, for example, an insurance mm -hmm. uh, type industry, financial sector industry, would mm -hmm. be different than a technology industry. It depends on the, the type of solution being sold and the, the sales cycle associated with that. So the longer the sales cycle, the higher the base might be required. The For commodity type or quick turnaround type sales cycle, the lower the base might be required. And again, it goes into um, total package compensation. You may have a base, a small base, but the commission amount is high, mm -hmm. uh, or you might have a draw, a draw. against mm -hmm. uh, commission. So it is somewhat sector dependent uh, mm -hmm. to um, from a competitive positioning perspective. In certain areas, however, I'm starting to see, and the industry is starting to uh, prove out, we have, again, multi-generational. We have to keep our eye on, and you as an HR um, expert understand this probably better than anybody else. We need to be uh, conscious of how to take care of both ends of the spectrum. Correct. And we have another group, that being the older group, that has a whole lot of expertise, and sometimes be don't, they don't necessarily need as much money anymore. So sometimes those people are more willing to work on a more flexible basis. So keeping that option open um, is an interesting one that's evolving. It is. And you'll find, at least what I found on the HR side, as you stated, is the total package or the total benefits because in discovering what motivates that person is key. Yes. You know, because you may be able to get away with a more budget-friendly, I'll say, compensation package if you're able to give that person, they're able to work from home more. Right. They're Absolutely. willing to take that, right. you know, that little decrease in compensation or transitioning compensation or some kind of way. Exactly. You know, and in order to have that freedom to work from home. Right. Right. Or flex time. Or flex time. Yeah. You know, flex time, and, and maybe you're, you're providing with them with here's an expense account, too, as well. So different things might come into place with that. You just have to get creative, but you do want to continue to attract the best and the brightest. Right, exactly. Or technology tools. Or so technology for, yeah. tools. Making Correct. sure people have the right technology tools to enable them to do um, what you're asking them to do. Correct. And not only that, make sure they know how to use the technology tools. Right. There are so many people that 
we go, you know, in to, to provide the HR services for them, and we start looking at their system, oh, yeah, we got that. We never really set it up, but they're still paying for it. Yeah. And they've never set it up, and no one's used it. Right. And one of those tools are sales tools. Right. They have them. Right. Yes. Yeah, so the CRM is a, is a hated tool, mm-hmm. your customer relationship management mm-hmm. tool. And so if you find that in a small business environment, mm-hmm. star number one, because uh, oftentimes they really haven't. I still walk into certain environments where we're running everything on an updated spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that. I know. Um, but, uh, you know, there are so many options out there right now for sales automation CRM tools that really should be in place. The challenge is... Nobody's taken the time to train mm-hmm. and hold salespeople accountable mm-hmm. for actually using them. And once we do that, there's an epiphany in terms of what the business benefit is to leveraging those technology tools. Absolutely. 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 Now, Teresa, we're coming almost up to our halfway mark, but tell us how, if someone wanted to reach out to you to get more information, how would they contact you? So I am happy to be contacted via my mobile, which is 586-713-5252. Alternatively, my email address is T, and then my last name, Renault, which is R-E-N, as in Nancy, A-U-D as in David, at salesqb.com. Awesome, awesome. Now, let's go on to reason number three would be what? Yeah, so reason number three is, A selling sales manager never um, performs as well as a dedicated sales manager. Mm -hmm. And this is a common theme that we do see inside small business environments, and it's kind of indicative of the culture because the small business owner is doing everything all the time, typically, until somebody gets a hold of him or her and sits him down and says, this is not the best use of your time, so let's rationalize your, your, you know, your what you're doing inside your environment. So you really, if you have a manager that's selling, you're competing with the rest of your team. Let's just put that out there. So stop competing. That's true. They're not going to trust you. I don't care how well you set this up. You've got your own agenda. You have your own book of business, and that will always come first. You will, Or your book of business won't come first, and you will have the benevolent sales coaching, mentoring, and leadership ability that is actually needed to help others be successful. So that's the problem. You have a spike, you know, almost like a schizophrenic mentality happening mm-hmm. in a selling sales manager that's really not healthy mm-hmm. for promoting the success of others. And, and it's so funny you say that because it also promotes distrust. They will never trust you as being a manager because you're competing with them. Yeah. Exactly. And so being able for you to provide them with the necessary instruction that they need or coaching that they need, they're going to not take that to its fullest extent because they're going to feel like, mm, no, right. I'm, I'm competing against you. Right. And so, yeah, that is never good. It right. creates a good environment. I remember uh, working with an, a client several years ago, actually a fairly large organization, and the owner was um, a very, very uh, successful business person who had actually come out of um, the IBM world mm-hmm. and believed that everybody should be a seller in the environment. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with that if the culture has brought up the concept of 
we love where we are and we help people so everybody can spread the word about helping people, mm-hmm. but encouraging people to put on and be compensated for sales-related specific activities, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, and actually that whole that whole department um, ended up, like, disintegrating. Oh, wow. Um, we've had, like, all their, their leaders are no longer there. Some started their own companies, but it just wasn't sustainable. It was an ugly, com- internally competitive environment. And that's one of the things, obviously, you you, you want a little competition in there because sure. it can be healthy. Yeah. But when it becomes destru- destructive, that's not good for the organization at all. Right. Yeah, the healthy competition we want is off of the weekly dashboard. Yes. Who's number one? Who's number yes. one weekly, monthly? You know, what other sales um, uh, competitive um, competition things do we have in place? Who's going to win yes. the I noticed you actually went out of your way to do some extra things? I'm working with one client right now who um, I've been working on some word tracks to mm-hmm. just help the, the, um, the sales team uh, I like to say, do create inches of progress because you don't have to do, you know, you don't have to necessarily run a whole new race. You just have to do things a little bit differently to ultimately affect big change. Right. So if you could figure out how to say in your own way things differently to your clients, you can you can open up doors. And it was amazing, great big epiphany for one of the the saleswomen who was like, yeah, I just started asking it this way.
groomed for sales management leadership. Well, when I interviewed that person, he was not even happy about being in the sales position role he oh, was wow. in. He didn't get any training. Uh, he was just sort of asked to take on this responsibility, and he had all these people, like, dumping stuff on him. So he was like, what? I have no idea, and I don't think I really want to be in sales. Oh, my. So um, your, to your point, a fresh set of eyes. Once I, you know, documented that inside the audit and provided the update, the look on the owner's eyes when I shared that with them, they were like, uh-oh, okay, we need to maybe rewind a little bit here, look at our processes, uh, look at our communication, mm -hmm. and um, backtrack on that. Mm -hmm. and, and that, and I think for especially small business owners, because we're used to doing everything, yeah. at times we assume the employee should be doing everything. Yeah. And so I can see where they assume that that individual, of course he's going to take that on and do that. Right. Of course. It's, and the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, right. exactly. no, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm a programmer. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't want to sell. I'm a programmer. Exactly. You know, like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. You know, so we have to definitely be careful of that. But a good... You caught it because yes. he would have been a miserable employee. Right. And most likely would have been someone that would have eventually left the company. Right. Yeah, so that's what we do. You know, we go in with a new set of filters. We deal with the facts. We do the assessment. We, um, we put together a priority based on the, where the gaps are. And in, in, in our audit, it's a very detailed report and then an executive summary, which has you can either do it yourself, DIY. Mm -hmm. Here's the areas that need improvement. Here's some suggestions on how to correct those areas, um, or you can hire me and mm -hmm. uh, my services um, on a fractional basis to help implement the the changes. And again, we focus on five key areas, which are critical, and that is mm -hmm. lead generation, which has to do with, you know. His, People forget about how important your brand is, but yes. if you don't have your brand done true. and your story, That's you're true. going to be bringing in salespeople all the time, but they're confused about what your That's message true. is. So we take a look at your brand story, your marketing, how is that all set up for lead generation? Because, again, small business owners do everything, so they expect everyone else to do everything, but salespeople aren't wired that way. Salespeople are wired to either do lead gen, lead nurture, or close. Right. Now, today, it's a whole lot more re price efficient, oh my gosh, cost efficient to have your technology tools do lead gen, lead nurture, mm -hmm. and bring in your human component to do close, face-to-face, -face, relationship building, account management, mm -hmm. so you use the human, more expensive resource for what they should be used for, and the mm -hmm. technology part to do lead gen. We also analyze you need That's a proof. very good point. Yeah, you need a you need a repeatable process. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a repeatable process in place, you're gonna bring bring in people on board that don't have an onboarding anything. Mm -hmm. Which you know, back to HR, if mm -hmm. you can't onboard effectively, mm -hmm. you might as well just keep throwing your hundred dollar bills and thousand dollar bills mm -hmm. out of the window because we all know that it's very expensive to bring somebody on in, train them, and if they're not producing, I mean, it, it, there's a cost. There's a cost up front and depending upon what industry you're in, you may be investing in that person for a year before they're 
providing value, revenue value back to your clients. So you have to be so careful true. about bringing them into a, a process that's proven and repeatable. Typically what happens is everybody's brought their own best practices into it, and it's just a mess. It is. And the owner is a victim to whatever the latest salesperson is doing. The other thing we look at are the technology tools. You've got to be using the right technology tools and enabling people. And then the last part is really all the sales leadership, management, coaching. Um, yeah, and, you know, that goes around the accountability. And then the training. So it's kind of, you know, you got a front-end part and then a back-end part, and you really need both, and that's what we bring to the table. That's good. That is awesome. Now, I wanted to touch on we are at the halfway mark, and we're, we're at number four, so we're, we're, we're a good timing. But from an HR standpoint, you started out talking about outsourcing. And so basically, I just want to comment and say, it's, when you take in an outsourced employee or an outsourced company to outsource different portions of your business, in this case, your sales manager um, position, I want business owners to understand it's a lot more economical and efficient to outsource it, not just because all the reasons we gave of having that outside view, but also from the standpoint, you don't have the benefits. You don't have the insurance. You don't have all these other things that you have to cover with a person that is an employee. Exactly. Yeah, it's a 1099. It's a 1099. Yeah. And, and, and it's a true 1099. Yeah. You know, it's not one that you're trying to make everybody 1099 so you can avoid all of your obligations on right. that side. This is a true 1099 service. Exactly. And one that definitely, obviously, as a small business owner, we want to take advantage of because it's one of those hats and responsibilities that we're able to pass on to someone responsible like yourself right. who has a proven track record, who has a method, right. and basically are able to report back to us, these are the things that we need. Mm -hmm. These are the things that are steps that need to be taken in order for us to be successful. Right. Exactly. And you can look at it from the standpoint of saying, okay, now I have a trusted advisor. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So that is exactly it. It's cost effective. It's 10.99. It's no drama. Exactly. I'm here based on a statement of work mm -hmm. that has most of the time has specific metrics built into yeah. it. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to evaluate it. And typically it's like quarter to quarter. It really depends. There's usually two t types of clients that I work with. Mm -hmm. Either that client that has some sort of an underperforming um, mm -hmm. uh, environment or no sales management, and they have between three and ten sales reps. That's one group. The other group might be either smaller than that or they're okay with the sales management part of it, but they do have some best practice gaps. So maybe it's they haven't documented and reinforced a repeatable process. It's kind of hard to fly that airplane while changing the engine. So if you have a sales manager already in place and your initiative is, we don't have a, a documented best practice, but we need one, having an outside person to come in and analyze that and document that and then enforce the execution of that is a good one-time project. So I can come in on point project best practice gap areas as well. So yeah, it's, it's very cost effective quarter to quarter. Sometimes the engagements are multi-year. Like, just because that's how it is. And you, the business owner appreciates that trusted advisor 
status, affordable. There was something else I was going to say that just fell off the top of my head. <laughs> but, no, it is. And, and you know, I, I heard you say it, and sometimes it may be a long term. Is it possible for someone to actually take your services where now, yes, you are part of the quote-unquote team where they totally outsource that position to you? Right, for multi-years. For multi-years? Yeah. Because basically you're there making sure everyone is producing. Right. Yep. Or evolving to that production. Or evol- exactly. Because sometimes what we find after a certain amount of time is we have to kind of pressure test. So you go in and you put things in, you, you understand the expectation. Here's the expectation. Here's how we're going to measure that expectation. Now we want to see who fits into that because the sales QB system is really about operational efficiency, not ripping and replacing, and also understanding that oftentimes, again, diseconomy of scale inside the small business environment, you can't afford the A players. So what we want to do is we want to take the, you know, the B to a C, I'm sorry, the C to a B, make that C player a B player, or make that B player an A player, and or, and or make sure we got the right people in the right seats for the right reasons. Oftentimes, again, Billy Bob got hired because it was um, my sister-in-law's best friend's brother, never been in sales, but we thought for sure he could, like, talk to people, so he's in sales now. Probably not the best. We're going to put him in accounting, which is where he should have been. Wow. Yeah. So that sometimes happens, and that is, um, you know, part of the journey, the time journey. And you just can't like be jerking people around. We have to give them the ability to evolve or to be, evolve someplace else. Right. That's true. That's true. I have one question that came in. Do you assist in recruiting salespeople? Does your company assist in recruiting salespeople? Yes. So again, it depends on um, each opportunity or each client is a little bit different. But yeah, recruiting. Here's the deal with recruiting: as a business owner or as a fractional sales manager, depending upon the client structure, you need to be recruiting all the time. This is not a once and done kind of thing. You really need to understand what it is that you need, why you need it, and how you're going to compete for it. And it needs to be, this is something I learned in, from my Cisco days, you know, management was always, you, you were MBO'd or bonused on how well your, how big your bench was. You need, and that's a tricky thing to do. So you need to always be recruiting, but I love assisting owners and splitting up that, that responsibility. Sometimes the owners still want to be involved in it. Uh, a lot of owners don't, so I'm happy to totally take over that part of it. Awesome. Awesome. Now, for we're... So, moving ahead to number five, <laughs> um, and sort of a, along those lines, you know, a third of the time, if you only had a fractional expert manager in there, um, that's a whole lot better than 100% of a, of a sales manager that's just not competent. Again, we talked about you know, the internal drama that happens, the politics that happens. So if you have somebody that's just not competent, they're probably finding ways. I mean, there's so many stories of, you know, oftentimes, you know, the sales manager also gets dumped on for, like, lots of other things. And really what the sales manager should be doing is coaching, mentoring, and training the sales team. Mm -hmm. And or, let me also put a big plug in there for marketing. 
it has to be an integrated team approach, leveraging the technology tools and or whatever. You might have outsourced fractional uh, marketing services associated with your um, with the overall sales strategy, which I'm a big fan of and, and love helping to pull those resources in as well. So the management needs to be inclusive of the marketing and sales system. And they have to be, they have to, you know, go hand in hand. Exactly. You can't have sales and no marketing. Right. Exactly. And you can't have marketing and no sales. Right. It's like you're just wasting your money on either side right. if you don't do them both together. Right. And, you know, sometimes you can have that uh, that tension in large organizations where, mm-hmm. oh, marketing is more important than sales or, you know, you have a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But in a small business, you can't have any of that. There's no time for that. That, it is that becomes transparent and costly way too fast. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so number six is what? And many small businesses, and I touched on this a little bit, don't have a proven and repeatable process. A pro- they don't have a prospecting process. They don't have a sales process. They don't have a closing process. They don't have an accountability system. So that's what a an expert sales manager knows how to do. Awesome. Awesome. And number seven? Yep. So number seven is... Every salesperson, even a business owner, will sell more with an expert sales manager helping them. Uh, you know, I just shared an example of um, this saleswoman that I've been working with who um, she's seasoned. She does a lot of great things, but we, we were working on just tweaks. Sometimes we work on big things. Sometimes we, sometimes we work on little things, but that's what we do. We come, um, in fact, right now for one of my clients, I'm working on you know, one of the extensions of prospecting is referrals. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a referral, mm-hmm. if you have, a, if you're not asking for referrals, you're missing a huge opportunity. Definitely. And people just don't, a lot of, it's not natural for a lot of salespeople because in a lot of small business environments, they understand, usually they've been asked to do way too many things. So by the time they get to the appropriate time to ask for a referral, they're like exhausted. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're out of ideas. Mm-hmm. So we're working on a new initiative of building a referral stream. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some great um, examples come up because of the way that they were actually creating great customer environments. Mm-hmm. Some things organically started to show up, but now I'm getting them to actually ask for referrals on a more regular basis. So everybody can benefit from somebody that's focused on let's win. That's so true. And so if I hear you basically taking on your services, and you really pay for yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You really pay for yourself. There is no real out-of-pocket cost to them when you end up with increased sales by you training their sales force on proper procedures and right. methods and making sure they have the right tools. Obviously, that leads to increased sales, which ends up compensating them better. Right as well as paying for your services. Right. So there's a definite ROI attached to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very quickly. Very quickly, and who doesn't want that? Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't want to fill your pipeline as well as, you know, in some cases, maybe able to shorten, you know, that sales cycle. Right. Or even make it more efficient. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, right, the extra, the, the extra outside filter of, whoa, we weren't doing this right. There's a more efficient mm-hmm. way to do it. So let's start 
let's turn this way and ask this question. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of, you don't have to ask it my way. I can say things. In fact, I had a sales rep um, argue with me recently, which I'm <laughs> open to, other points of view. He did not like my word choice. And he said to me, nobody would ever say that. Now, he is a little bit younger than me. But you know what? My point was you need to always be pos- coming from a position of expertise in your mm-hmm. area. You mm-hmm. should be the doctor in your field. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sound like a, you know, a high school student, I'm not sure that makes you sound like an expert. So you choose your words however you want. Just be ultimately your sales, your sales need to reflect that. But you know, it's it's that coaching and having that conversation to encourage people, motivate people to do things differently based on best practices. Right. And and you have to, and you're coming from the outside and forming an employee of that. Yes. You know, and whereas the current sales manager, if there is a sales manager, or the owner may not know how to address that because nine times out of ten, if that individual is doing that with their customer base, you know, now think about the image. Right. Yeah. I see the look on your face. You're like, ah, would they be saying that to my people? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's rewind here. Let's. Let's let's cho- choose our words a little bit differently. Yeah, think of the image. It's like wow. Think of all the the lost business that could be attached to that. Right, right. You know, the other thing is uh, writing skills. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and then that's. I mentioned that my um, my short and long definition of sales is. Uh, competitive problem solvers that want to win. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, really what I am. I'm a problem solver for small business owners that have sales issues, and I help salespeople in their domain space become mm-hmm. problem solvers for their clients. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we're communication experts because you have to understand, you have to understand what it is that you're solving mm-hmm. and then communicate that. And it's amazing to me how many people either can't articulate correctly mm-hmm both verbally and in writing. Mm -hmm. So part of my challenge sometimes is helping those people get from, you know, point A to point B with those communication skills. Yes. And it's very important, obviously, in sales, because that's all you're doing is communicating. Yeah. That's all you're doing. And people do business with those that they can connect with. Right. Actually, I I just want to point out, in sales, we're – it's science and magic. Mm-hmm. The magic comes from the way you communicate. Mm-hmm. There is a science, though, and the science is really important. Mm-hmm. The science is it is prospect, lead gen, lead nurture, and then close mm-hmm. within the context of the new buyer journey. Mm-hmm. So a successful salesperson needs to have that operational part of the science mm-hmm. and then also understand the magic, which is the communication. It's your personality. It's like what you do with it. So. I agree with you, but I also wanted just to clarify. That's good. Some people just think it's like, you know, I don't have a college degree, so maybe I'll just be a salesperson. No, that doesn't work like that. Right. You need to understand that it is a skilled, um, highly valuable. You have to work at it. You have to understand. So you have to understand your product, your solution, your company, and the high value that you bring to the client on a regular basis. It's con- you're constantly evolving, and you have to be motivated to do that. Correct. That's one of the things that I bring to what I do. I want people to win because I love to win. So it's all about that part as well. And everybody loves the winner. Yeah. 
Everybody loves a winner, and everybody wants to be on a winning team. Yes, yes, and I love the fact that you just said that. It is about the team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I help business owners understand. It's like, here's, here's our race. You've already started the race, but let me help you get to the next relay point or to the end exactly. state. Let's, let's determine, are we doing sprints? Are we doing a marathon? Are we doing a relay? What, let's define our race, and then we put the, the goals in place, the exercises, the discipline, uh, to make sure that we do win. That's good. That is good. So I think we've come to number seven. So we just did that one. Uh, did that really, one every salesperson or even a business owner uh, can be positively impacted by an expert sales um, leader. Okay. And then um, really the, the last one we sort of did talk a, a little bit about, but without a quality sales manager, then the inmates are really running the asylum. And if... For a lot of sales uh, owners out there, you've probably felt like a hostage to your sales team. They've evolved. They're all doing their own thing. you got drama. you got the barking, the biting, the excuses. Oh, my goodness. you got excuses, right? And stop that. That's what an expert salesperson, an expert sales manager can mitigate because we don't have time for that. These are the rules. This is what we're doing, um, and we move on. So, yeah. Those were eight simple reasons why a fractional sales manager could benefit any small business owner that is frustrated with an underperforming team. Awesome. Now, when we talk about small business owners and those that have that from three to ten salespeople on there, what other framework should there be in place for them to contact you? What other foundation? Besides the three to five and... Yep. So um, if they have fewer or if there are more and they know that there are gaps in what I'll call the best practice areas, mm -hmm. if they don't have a proven and repeatable process in place, that would be an area where I could um, add some uh, definite assistance, even if it's under three salespeople. And here's a great example of um, a husband and wife team who were doing everything themselves, and they know that they knew that their next step was to bring, start to bring in people, but they didn't have their process documented. Mm -hmm. So they wanted me to help work with them to get that in place, and not only to document how they had been doing things successfully, but to also make recommendations on how things could be done perhaps differently for even greater success as an onboarding tool for hiring their next generation of go-to-market sales strategy. So that would be one, or, or this is a great one. Companies don't understand that if you haven't had an audit in the last five years, invest in an audit. Take the time to understand that marketing has changed, the buyer journey has changed, sales has changed. Ask a, sale, a sales QB person to come in. We have a great audit program and uh, evaluate, you know, how you stack up. You know, there's probably at least one thing that you could do better and it would pay for itself. Again, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, use, you brought up the ROI in the mm -hmm. past. That's a very affordable ROI to, mm -hmm. um, to use. So there's a couple of um, examples right away or just evaluating technology tools. Sometimes people don't know which CRM should I use. Happy to come in and do, a, um, you know, a project-based Here's what would work for you. Here's some recommendations. Here's how we could install it and train for it. And, and I'm one of those. I'm a strong believer in if you're doing something, obviously when we start our businesses, we want it to be successful. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes we get so caught up in our business, we're not able to see all the different gaps that's in there. Right. And having someone come in from the outside with fresh eyes and they're able to see that and and test out our, our methods and our processes and our procedures, they're able to tighten things up for us that we can't see or they may be able to see something that can make it even better. Right. So a lot of people, and even, you know, obviously on our site when we go in, we, we, I changed the word from using audit because they were so intimidated by audit oh. to assessment. Okay. So it made it a little less stressful for them. And so, but it's, it's one of those things where we have to tell them, okay, understand I'm a part of your team. I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. You're bringing me in in order to make sure you're running efficiently and that you can run better and we can do things better. Exactly. And that's the way I see your, your, everything that you're doing from a sales standpoint. You're saying, we want to run this better. We want to make things better. We want to be more profitable. Right. We want to increase our bottom line. So when you come in and you do an audit, it's not saying that you're doing something wrong. You right. could be doing something right. Exactly. And you from the outside can come in and say, well, you know what? If you try this, this might actually fit in better and take you to a whole nother level. Right. And if you're doing something wrong, well, hey, look, we can do this and tweak this a little bit and, and make this better. Right. Felicia, thanks for sharing that your organization does that. I, You know what? I, I've just learned something that I'll be able to share back with you because I, when I run into, you know, client opportunity or, you know, working with clients, oftentimes they can use that service as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that with me. Yes. But, yes, we, we share that common business logic around an assessment or an audit every three to five years mm-hmm. is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And is. three to five years goes by way too quickly. Oh, yes, so, it does. Really, if you're, it's like if you don't go to the dentist office at least once a year, don't think your teeth aren't going to be exactly pretty soon. That's very true. <laughs> that is very, very true. And everybody's miserable. Right. <laughs> everybody's miserable if you don't do those necessary checks. But So tell us again how we can get in contact with you. Sure. So mobile number is 586 586- 713-5252, or um, you can check me out on uh, LinkedIn, message me on LinkedIn, uh, it's just Teresa Renault, R-E-N-A-U-D, or T-R-E-N-A-U-D at salesqb.com. Awesome. And your website? My website is actually integrated into the sales.com, uh, salesqb.com, so I, I piggyback off of that. My profile and information is off of that site, so if you you did salesqb.com forward slash Teresa Renault. You'll find me there as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so, guys, I highly recommend um, that you reach out to her. You have other questions and things of that nature for her, reach out to her. Obviously, sales is the life of our business. We are constantly selling. We can never stop selling, irregardless as to what industry you're in or the size of your business, you, we are always, always selling. We have to have that funnel full. And knowing that our funnel is full in different economic time frames, we have to be sure that we're taking care of our existing customer base too as well. And these are all things that Teresa is able to help you with, the retention as well as going out and getting you know, new prospects and making those closes. 
And so I highly recommend that you reach out to her, take advantage of all the different things that she offers there for you, as well as I recommend that you share this podcast with others. Um, It will be up as soon as we um, air. Probably in the next week or so, we will add um, a lot of helpful notes and resources on there that Teresa has brought out um, today, and so you're able to download that right off of our website, too, as well. And you can download the podcast so that you can listen to it in your car over and over again as you're riding along. And so thank you again for joining us. We'll be back here next week again um, on the podcast, providing you with more helpful information from other business owners. And do notice that the people that I bring onto the show are other small business owners. And we talked earlier about being able to do business together with one another and being that resource that we're able to support one another and share our expertise with. And obviously that's what Teresa did today. She has years of experience on the sales side and she's able to actually look at it from a prospect that others cannot see. And so take advantage of her services and feel free to give us a call or shoot us an email at support at everything HRFS. If you have other ideas, about um, other topics that you would like to hear from us on the show, feel free to let us know, as well as feel free to let us know if you would like to be a guest on our show. Reach out to us and provide us with your topic areas um, that you would like to speak on. And we'll be more than, more than willing to take a look at your services. Again, thank you again, and we look forward to talking to you uh, on next week. <laughs>